He never heard back from him until he was under investigation. And he called her, I believe, in 2000. It could have been 2007 or 2008. And she was very surprised because he didn't have her number. He, hmm. You know, sure. how would he know where to find her? Her phone suddenly rings and it's Jeffrey Epstein. And basically he's saying to her, are you getting phone calls? Are you, If anybody calls and, and wants to know information about me, just, you know, he gave her instructions and she's thinking, I don't know what's going on. And before you know it, she is, has communicated now with um, the FBI, with the Palm Beach Police Department, and she has joined and, and, and is giving information. And um, what motivated her was she had by this time become a mother and she gave birth to a beautiful little girl. And she thought to herself, if I don't jump in there and help them catch Epstein and stop him, this might happen to my little girl. I have to do this for her. And, she, you know, she has been the crusading um, factor, don't you think? I mean, the, the one who has, she's named names. She's, she's done this at great um, risk to herself. I mean, who goes up against the prince, uh, the son of the queen of uh, the United Kingdom? Who does that? One woman, Virginia Dufresne. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before we get started, I just have a few short messages. First off, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe this podcast. It's the best way to help us grow and help me get on bigger and better guests. Also, don't forget you can pre-order my book, To the Moon, The GameStop Saga, right now by following the links in the description below. We've also got a few quick sponsors for the show today. With Christmas coming up, we all need some inspiration for presents. And it can be a really tough question, especially for the women in your lives. That's wives, girlfriends, mums, and sisters. Well, I might just have the answer for you. Unidragon wooden puzzles solve this problem. It might just be the coolest puzzle that you'll ever do. Unidragon puzzles are stunning pieces of artwork with vivid and vibrant colors. They do a range of wolves, tigers, and owls that look like cutouts from mosaics and stained glass windows, as well as traditional portraits of Chiang Mai, the Sagrada Familia, and the New York Sunrise. These aren't just beautiful pieces of artwork in themselves. Each piece of the puzzle is shaped like a whole host of animals, that's butterflies, lizards, whales, and more. So you could theoretically have a lion's head made up of everything it would eat for breakfast. The best part is that listeners of Chatter will get a 10% discount by using the code CHATTER. That's C-H-A-T-T-E-R. There are different packs for children and adults, and each puzzle is packed with a premium wooden gift box. New puzzles are released every month, so keep an eye on the website for new designs coming out all the time. Get a fun puzzle, a colourful and unique piece of artwork, and a great present all in one. Go to unidragon.com or .eu or follow the link in the description below. And don't forget to use your discount code CHATTER for 10% off your puzzle. That's Unidragon. Puzzling artwork and a truly unique gift. Your internet browsing data is on show for governments, ISPs, or bad actors to see when you fail to use a VPN to protect yourself. 
So why not try ExpressVPN, the internet's number one VPN. You can protect your browsing data from your internet provider and prying eyes by going to ExpressVPN today and getting 35% off 12 months of ExpressVPN. Use it for privacy, safety, or just to watch Netflix shows from another part of the world. You'll be stunned at the amount of extra content you can access just by setting your location to somewhere new. Links for everything will be in the description below. So check them out and then please enjoy the podcast. Okay, so everything has started. I believe we're good. Okay, so um, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am here with Kirby Summers. She's back for round number two to talk all about the Prince Andrew Virginia Guffrey case. Uh, Kirby, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you for having me again. Um, I didn't realize it. Uh, so many months had gone by because this these things are happening so quickly. So I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, no problem. I mean, well, I guess the, <laughs> the way the world's going at the minute, it's one of those one of those things that we're. Uh, the, it both seems like time doesn't move, but it also moves like super rapidly. It's this weird, like. I agree. It's it's we're in a time warp that we've never encountered before. I mean, look at all the books I write. And then I, I get up and it's like, oh, six months have gone by. Okay. But then it feels like, you know, no time has, it's very weird. I agree. Mm. So uh, the thing I want to basically start with here with the Prince Andrew sort of yeah, responding vaguely to is, is uh, the accusations, but we'll get to what he said. So first of all, um, do you want to lay out just for us um, who Virginia Guffrey is? And, and sort of a little bit about her story before, so we can sort of start there. Sure. So Virginia Giffray is really the most outspoken victim that has stepped forward uh, during the allegations of Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. She was um, at, the, at the close to ending being 15 years old. Uh, when she was procured by Ghislaine Maxwell while she was working at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach. Her birthday is in August, so the first week of August. So uh, Ghislaine Maxwell was driving by, um, and this is documented in a lot of mainstream media uh, newspaper accounts. Uh, she was driving by, and she told the driver, and it's also, by the way, in court documents, depositions of the driver, um, that she was driving by Mar-a-Lago. She caught a glimpse of Virginia. Virginia is very fair with, you know, blondish hair, blonde hair, you know, your all-American type girl. And as she told the driver to stop, she goes in and she finds Virginia, um, who is working there sort of as a spa attendant in the sort of like, you know, in, in the locker type area, we can call it. And she was reading a book on uh, massage therapy. And so Glenn Maxwell uses that as an in. She introduces herself to Virginia and starts a conversation. And before you know it, she is saying, hey, I know someone, you can come work for us. You know, you can, we can teach you how to become a full-time massage therapist. You're, you know, we're going to travel and you can go all around the world. And Virginia thought this is a legit thing. And she's 
the Galen Maxwell walks in and she she speaks very proper uh, upper upper class uh, British accent. She's dressed very well. There's no reason why a 15 year old girl would think that this woman is a in fact a procurer right for a trafficking organization and she says to her well why don't you stop by and she gives her the address and she takes her information stop by at five o'clock after work and remember that the mar-a-lago uh that belongs to donald trump is six minutes away from jeffrey epstein's um mansion that has now been you know decimated it no longer exists and it's, it's always curious to me when they get rid of a scene of a crime. It's sort of like they shouldn't do that for a while. But in any event, um, he lived six minutes away. And so come five o'clock, um, Virginia's father drives her to uh, Jeffrey Epstein's home. They knock on the door. Who answers? Galen Maxwell. She steps out. She... Um, reassures Virginia's father that everything is going to be fine. She takes Virginia up into the massage room. And um, that is where Galen begins to teach her how to start rubbing, rub the feet, rub the legs. Galen removes, allegedly removes her blouse. And, and that is where the first sexual assault happens. Yeah, that's difficult to hear. Um, but it's, yeah, uh, it's difficult to say and and to think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 long been. It's a, such a. I guess this is probably part of the problem. It's just like it's it's so unbelievable that 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 people can end up in this situation. Like it's, it seems like, yeah, the nightmares that your parents would tell you about, uh, but like come true. <laughs> but thankfully, it's, yeah, and, yeah, and and so. You know, at that by that time, so um, Virginia had been had had a difficult situation with her parents. Uh, her parents had um, pretty much put her into like a like a girl's home because uh, they were having issues. She had been molested allegedly by a family member, and you know when she was very young, very young, uh, which can really mess you up. Right. And so, um, she went and uh, living into this all girls home, which again is full of abuse and nobody is treated well. And so she runs away probably age around 13 ish, 14 ish, something like that. And, um, she runs away from this place. She has, you know, she's just a kid, right? She's a teenager. She has no food, nothing. She's sitting down somewhere and a car drives by, and there is another trafficker uh, by the name of Ron Eppinger. And he's sitting in, I think it's maybe, if I recall correctly, it was probably a limousine or, but, you know, it was a car where he was being driven. And there were like these other girls in there, heavily made up, a little bit older than Virginia. And so he, he, he looks at her and says, well, you know, gets her story and then invites her into the car and Virginia sees the other girls. So she sees girls. She's like, okay, it must be safe. And she's hungry. And so before you know it, he too has now raped her later that evening. And she is uh, it held in that spot, kind of like being, I'm going to use the word pimped out to 
whoever he he wanted to make money, you know, he was running a, a like a, a minor uh, trafficking ring. It, primarily, he was using uh, women and girls, uh, minor girls, too, from other countries, which, as you know, uh, later on, that was something that Epstein did as well with the help of Jean-Luc Brunel. So she's there for about six months until Eppinger uh, gets... Um, uh, sort of busted. And then, uh, so when this happens, fast forward, you know, she thinks she's, her life is getting straightened out. Her father has gotten her a job because he's working for Donald Trump at Mar-a-Lago, her dad. He gets her a job uh, and, and you know, she, Virginia's like, okay, maybe my life now will get back to normal. And then before you know it, she's with Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein, who, what, what is, I think that it's important for young girls and for women to know that if someone is asking you a lot of questions, which is what they did before they sort of made the, the advances toward her sexually, right? So they, they, it made a lot of inquiries about her life. And so Virginia felt comfortable and she told them about her experience with Eppinger. And at that moment in time, they knew that they had a vulnerable victim, right? So somebody whose spirit had been broken. And if your spirit has been broken before, it's very easy for another sexual predator to sort of like immediately jump in there. And that's what happened. Do you think that they were... Do you think that's the kind of person they were on the lookout for? Or do you think that, that it was just sort of, yeah, it just happened happened to be that way and they saw who she was and that they could take advantage of her? Well, it, it with the Palm Beach um, victims, uh, it has been said that Epstein approached, let's say, girls who came from broken homes uh, girls who were living in, let's say, a trailer park situation, uh, and that he targeted um, young girls who had financial issues. Now, whether they had financial issues or not, um, what what made it work for him was that once he got a girl's trust, uh, he would turn that girl into a procurer. So there was a local high school and, and uh, he would tell the girl, okay, why don't you bring me your friends? And so if you're in, let's say in the seventh or the eighth grade, which is what these girls were in, and you have a friend who says, hey, you can make a quick 200 or $300. You only have to massage. Nobody really told the other girl it's my understanding what really was going to happen. You can just have to massage this old guy. He'll give you $300. And a, and a few of them would be like, sure. Uh, you know, they didn't understand. I mean, at that age, nobody really understands what that means. And then, you know, they're lured into this thing. And, and because it, you're taken by surprise, you're stuck in a home where you don't know the way out, right? You're in that massage room with Jeffrey Epstein, whoever has brought you into that home, be it a girl, be it, let's say later, Sarah, 
Kensington, I think that's her name now, they would leave you in that room with Epstein alone. Um, how They don't know their way out. They don't know if the, he's going to kill them. You know, it's like you're stuck. And in that moment, you sort of just do what you're told. And you want that moment to end. Um, and that's what I understand happened to a lot of these girls. That's such a, oh, that's such a tragic way of putting, putting it like, and I guess that's, yeah, that's one of the things that people maybe don't understand because the thought is always, it's like, why did they, why did they go through with it basically? And, and I guess that, that, that puts you in their shoes that you just this is a horrible experience and you just sort of like scared and trying to do everything possible to make it stop basically. Right. But I, I want to be very clear that that is mainstream media's um, interpretation of the Jeffrey Epstein uh, monster. I'm going to call it, but it's a far bigger monster because he didn't just, let's say target, uh, Minors who were financially insecure or insecure because their parents were divorced. He also uh, targeted, as did Glenn Maxwell, let's say somebody like Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton is one of the wealthiest women in the world. And one, one night, Glenn Maxwell walks into uh, a club and she sees Paris Hilton and she tells her companion. Oh, I, who is she? I want her for Epstein. And so my point is that it, 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 it was not only the, let's say poor that they targeted, they targeted poor and rich alike. And in, in, in this situation, people believe that Jeffrey Epstein was a lone pedophile. No, he's interconnected with with um, intelligence agencies and with other uh, trafficking rings that happened before his, for example, like the Franklin scandal, right? And 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 connected maybe to the Jimmy Savile in the UK. These are all interconnected rings. Um, so um, that's what we're not really getting from mainstream, which I think, you know, we have to put 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 it out there for people to do their own investigation, do your own research, because you're only going to really get to the truth if you do your own research. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's often the case. It's a vilified phrase these days, do your own research. But um, yeah. the, yeah, the mainstream press aren't going to tell you what's, what's going on because, well, yeah, there's probably uh, too many of them compromised, um, especially if it's, if it goes all the way up to intelligence agencies, since we know, um, yeah, the CIA has major plans in every every mainstream news network, and the yeah, especially yeah. I mean, uh, if you remember during the Church Committee hearings of 1975, um, one of the people that was um, sort of gave testimony was the then head of CBS. I believe his name was Sig, and I may be pronouncing or mispronouncing his last name, Mickelson. And he had been the head of the CBS um, television network in the United States um, for a very long time, way back into the 1950s. And he, his testimony was, when I joined CBS, 
um, we already had in place that we work with collaboratively with the Central Intelligence Agency to provide misinformation, propaganda, if you will, to the masses. And this is his testimony from 1975. We're now today, 2021. That was called Operation Mockingbird, uh, Mockingbird. And I urge everyone to just do your research on this. Don't use Google, use other search engines and find out about Operation Mockingbird. It never ended. That's, you know, we're, we're still, we see that today when your mother can't find, for example, what's going on in the Glenn Maxwell case. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, my mom, yeah, my mom was just looking for, she's just paying attention to what's, yeah, what's there on the news. I mean, she's fairly switched on, but um, yeah, just it's interesting as to what she will see and what she won't. Um, I find, uh, yeah, an like I said, an interesting barometer. So um, I wanted to to get back a little bit here to, yeah, Virginia Dufresne. I think you said that I, I was pronouncing yes. that incorrectly. Um, so she, yeah, so it was the, the summer of 2000, basically, that she first ran into Gillian Maxwell. And then, um, yeah, she sort of got... <sighs> I don't, I don't know exactly what words she would use, coerced into their service. Yeah, and, and, and trapped, you know, she, I mean, you become entrapped because what happens is psychologically, um, I know that when it happened to me, psychologically, you're like, oh my God, what happened? Like, I am no longer me, right? And you feel this immense uh, shame, almost like everyone who looks at you can see the shame and you sort of shrivel up and you become like, like literally a shell. You're just really a liter a walking shell for a very long time, so that you no longer have. In my experience, so that's why I think that I can speak uh, for possibly what Virginia felt. Um, you feel that you no longer are like normal people. You don't belong in that normal world anymore, and so you just sort of like literally you're shell shocked and you have no no one to tell you who, who are you going to call and specifically in in this situation you have the local police that became involved if you remember uh and then you have the federal level that was compromised and you have the presidents of the united states that were also connected to this and we have a prince and actually there were two princes that virginia has discussed but Prince Andrew is the only one that um, she remembered because there was a second prince that whose name she does not recall. But if you look at the testimony uh, and her testimony has been consistent, uh, there was a second prince that they introduced her to to basically do the same thing, you know, um, uh, please them in that intimate way that she had been taught to please Epstein and Maxwell. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a. Uh... So, so then to, yeah, to sort of move forwards in, in what happened to, to, uh, Virginia. So she then, yeah, she was, she was with them for about two, two and years, a half years, two and a half years. Yeah. Um, so then, so yeah, so, uh, how did she end up it, escaping basically? And, 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 or, well, maybe we should go. Yeah, let's go with the escape oh, no, and then we'll go back to Prince Andrew. One. Yeah, I think that's a good place. So what happened was um, they approached her, Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein approached her and said, 
hey, because she was already, I, I think she had already become 18 or was about to turn 18. So at that point, uh, she was becoming almost too old for their use, right? They really needed to use minors because that is how you really entrap all of these people they were um, blackmailing. Uh, and they approached her and they said, we want you to have a baby for Epstein. You will carry Epstein's baby. We were, will we pay you, I believe the amount was $200,000 per year. However, you have to sign the baby over to us. You will take care of the baby for us, but we are going to be allowed to do anything we want with the child. So she was completely mortified that she would bear a child and have what happened to her happen to any child that she bore, right? So she said to them, because they had been carried on a stick for two years, we're going to teach you and we're going to send you to school so you can become a licensed massage therapist. So she had quick thinking Virginia. I have to tell you, that was just a stroke of luck on her part. She turns around and she says to them, to buy time because, you know, you don't really know. You kind of do it on, on the run day by day. You kind of figure out what to do. So she looks at them and she says, why, why don't you guys first let me get my diploma or my whatever. I, I forget what word she may have used, but the equivalent of a diploma in really becoming a licensed a massage therapist. And they were ecstatic. And so within a couple of weeks, they turned around and they said to her, we have tickets for you to go to, to um, Thailand and you're going to be taking this course. And by the way, there's a girl there and they gave her the information and we want you to bring her back. So they had already lined up a new victim. They were going to have Virginia bring back after she completed her studies. Once she went to Thailand, and she started to go to school, she met the man that would come to her rescue, a young man um, who she told him everything that happened to her. And he looked at her and he says, well, you can marry me. And she's already 18. And, and, and it was a whirlwind romance. Uh, they fell in love. They have been together ever since they got married in Thailand. He took her to his home uh, in Australia, she called Epstein and she told him, I'm married. And he was very upset. And he says, good luck to you. And he hung up on her. And then she never heard back from him until he was under investigation. And he called her, I believe in 2000, it could have been 2007 or 2008. And she was very surprised because he didn't have her number, he, hmm. you know, yeah. how would he know where to find her? Her phone suddenly rings and it's Jeffrey Epstein. And basically he's saying to her, are you getting phone calls? Are you, If anybody calls and, and wants to know information about me, just, you know, he gave her instructions and she's thinking, I don't know what's going on. And before you know it, she is, has communicated now with um, the FBI, with the Palm Beach police department and she has joined and 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 is giving information and um what motivated her was she had by this time become a mother and she gave birth to a beautiful little girl and she thought to herself if i don't jump in there and help them 
catch Epstein and stop him, this might happen to my little girl. I have to do this for her. And, she, you know, she has been the crusading um, factor, don't you think? I mean, the, the one who has, she's named names. She's, she's done this at great um, risk to herself. I mean, who goes up against the prince, uh, the son of the queen of uh, the United Kingdom? Who does that? One woman, Virginia Dufresne. Yeah, it takes a lot of courage uh, to do what she did, and, and yeah, yeah I agree. think I think I'd, I'd I'd agree there. She she's definitely been like a major catalyst in she she was definitely part of the I'd say the reason for the success of the well I say success in bringing him to court at least in two thousand and eight. Yes, and yes, and then um, yeah, obviously in his uh, later conviction um, before he um, committed suicide. <laughs> yeah, that's it's always interesting. We all put it in air quotes, you know. Suicide when before he committed suicide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what's the quote? That's a. It's a great. It's like a, a Russian KGB agent said. It's um, it's really easy to murder someone. It's but it's uh, it takes a real professional to make someone kill themselves. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, that, I had never heard that, but I'm going to remember it. But it's so true. <laughs> mm, definitely. Uh, so yeah, so talking of powerful people that she has gone up against, um, yeah, we're we're now in the uh, in the throes of the Prince Andrew case. Uh, so she has made accusations of Prince Andrew, um, and so yeah, do you want to do you want to lay out for us like how that that case has unfolded, like what why why now, um, and what she has alleged, and and how she's been able to like serve him with with papers, basically in the in the yeah. State of New York. So, so um, her attorney David Boys, who interestingly enough was also connected with Harvey Weinstein, but in that case he was helping Harvey Weinstein with um, Virginia Jeffrey. He is helping her. Um, he attempted to settle. Uh, the case and contacted Prince Andrew for five years, as you and I discussed during our last podcast in August. And Prince Andrew pretty much ignored David Boy's um, letters and just like he ignored the FBI wanting him to uh, come and talk. And even when he was on the BBC interview, if you recall, he said, oh, I'm happy to help but he, you know, that's he he's a lot of talk and no action because he never really uh, cooperated with anyone with any investigation. And pretty much he did the same thing with David Boys. So the statute of limitations under the Child Victims Crime Act, which is how Virginia was able to uh, bring a civil action against Prince Andrew, was coming to a close a few months ago. So it was either. I sue him on a civil level um, or forget about it forever. So wanting to hold uh, these very powerful men responsible, it was not her first choice because, look, she had already sued Glenn Maxwell in 2015. She had sued Jeffrey Epstein in 20, I believe it began in 08, and then it was settled in 09. I mean, you know, she has had a lot on her plate and she is a mother and she's a wife and it's, it's, it's a lot uh, again to take on these very powerful people. Um, so 
she decided I, I'm going to do it. Uh, they did, as you know, Prince Andrew tried everything. Oh, he wasn't served. Oh, <laughs> you know, they had to do it again. He ended up uh, hiring uh, this attorney by the name of Andrew. Um, I have his name here, Andrew Brettler, who oddly enough uh, also represents Army Hammer. And Army Hammer was accused of um, cannibalism. Um, so uh, 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 an interesting choice for an attorney. Uh, finally, the attorney wrote a letter to the court and they said, well, you know, I'm representing, he, he's based in Los Angeles. I'm representing Prince Andrew. We weren't served. So the court allowed David Boyce to serve him again. And this time pictures of everything being served um, were taken and social media shared them as did mainstream media. Um, what's what's an, an interesting uh, point that I don't want to leave out is that um, Andrew uh, Brettler was one of the people that David Boys emailed um, with the initial uh, documents for, you know, to let him know that Prince Andrew was being sued. So it was again a delay tactic. So ultimately they responded and they requested a three week, three week extension to respond and the court granted them the three week extension. And as you know, they just responded about what a week ago, mm -hmm. something like that. And five days. Oh I boy. Four or five days. Yes. Yes. And, and uh, this guy, Brettler pretty, pretty much. And Prince Andrew have, received nothing but um a big blowback it's, it to me it's similar to prince andrew on bbc because in these documents that they submitted to the court um they included a 2015 article that calls virginia let me just find the term because i want to use the exact term that a money hungry sex kitten yeah <laughs> come on Oh. And that she's only doing this for money and so on and so forth. And why do they need to come after Andrew? And because the whole, it's it's just, so that alone has created, I mean, as you know, I set up a uh, an open letter to Judge Kaplan, who is presiding over the case, um, saying, hey, hold them accountable <laughs> because you, you can't just keep letting these men get away with things, hold them accountable because we believe Virginia. Now, Virginia has uh, alleged that it didn't just happen one time. It happened three times. So in the UK, it happened. We have a photograph of uh, that's very well known that Virginia provided to the FBI of Prince Andrew with his arm around uh, then 17-year-old Virginia Giuffray with Glenn Maxwell in, in the background. And you remember that photograph, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I've got it here, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, Virginia says that it was that day that um, the first, um, let's say, time that she was told to please him in that way um, happened. The second time was in New York City. Uh, in Epstein's mansion on the Upper East Side, the largest mansion in all of New York, given to him by Leslie Wexner. And um, that's the jurisdiction under which she was able to sue him. And the third time 
was in the Virgin Island area, you know, uh, Little St. James, which was known as Orgy Island, where Virginia alleges it wasn't just her, it was her and eight other minors, but these were from other countries, so they spoke no English. And whereupon they took, you know, it was a group situation, if you follow my, you know. So, but she could only, uh, the statute of limitations uh, allowed her to sue him on a civil with a civil lawsuit in New York City, which is what she did. So that's where we are now. Yeah. So Prince Andrew has responded um, quite spectacularly, actually. Yeah. So he, he uh, called her a, a money-hungry sex kitten um, and has basically gone with attempting to, to defame her. Uh, he's, he's also the request, the dismissal of the lawsuit based on the fact that there was already a case made against uh, yes. Epstein, I believe, as well. So, uh, which uh, seems, given that that case was dismissed, it doesn't seem like grounds for dismissal of this case. Um, well, let me explain that, if I may. Yeah, please. In 2009, Jeffrey Epstein uh, settled the lawsuit that Virginia brought against him. One of the... Um, one of the, uh, let's say, in that lawsuit, a paragraph read something like, okay, you're going to accept this amount of money. We're going to settle this lawsuit. It means that if you accept this, you cannot sue me anymore. You cannot sue my attorneys. You cannot sue my friends. You cannot sue my employees. You may not sue my business associates. And so Alan Dershowitz, who is also someone that Virginia alleges was inappropriate with her at the request of Jeffrey Epstein. Um, she sued him, if you recall, uh, for, um, I think, again, it was a defamation lawsuit uh, because and it happened during the, the filming of Filthy Rich, um, uh, which, again, is a very bizarre thing because James Patterson wrote the book, but James Patterson has always has also worked with Bill Clinton and Bill Clinton flew on the Lolita Express 26, 27 times and very close with Prince Andrew and very close with Jeffrey Epstein. But here we have James Patterson, you know, writing the book and then this film is made of. So Alan Dershowitz, in, 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 while the filming of that gave an interview and said, well, she should sue me if, if she feels that I did that, but I did no such thing. You know, I kept my underwear on. I had a massage by a very old lady. It's like, okay, so Virginia turns around and she sues him. What does um, he do? He turns around and um, he's done this for other interesting people, right? So he, some of his um, clientele include the infamous O.J. Simpson, uh, accused of murdering his, his ex-wife, Nicole Simpson, and her friend um, in, in a savage, savage thing that happened in Los Angeles. Uh, Von Bulow accused of trying to kill his wife. I mean, he's 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 represented a lot of nefarious characters. Um, so he presents David Boyce with the situation that, hey, I'm Jeffrey Epstein's attorney in this settlement. It says she signed away her rights to sue me, her, the, an attorney of 
And guess what? David Boyes let him have that out. Then Alan Dershowitz contacts Prince Andrew and he tells Prince Andrew, hey, I just got out of my lawsuit and I believe it happened in August of this of this year. And you can use the same the same strategy. And that is exactly what they did. They used that same strategy. And that is where we are. You know, so they're saying you can't sue because she she signed away her rights to sue Prince Andrew when she signed the 2009 agreement. Now, tell me something, Josh. I mean, if you're an innocent man, do you use that out or do you try to prove your innocence in court? Well, I mean, you'd like to think he would do it in court. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. but I don't, I'm really confused as to how he, it's just like, I don't understand how Prince Andrew thinks he can get away with it based on this because, like, I understand. Like, I don't, I still, like, morally, I don't agree, but legally, I can see how, how Alan Dershowitz could get away with this in this case because, you know, he's actually named in the previous lawsuit. But I don't think it was, Prince Andrew wasn't wasn't mentioned in that original um case, the 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 civil case. Or was it was it a civil case? I think it was a civil case. Um it, yes. Like, but Prince Andrew wasn't mentioned in that, was he? Uh no. Uh what what uh her attorney is claiming is that in Virginia Jeffrey's um statement during the time that she was suing Epstein before they settled the lawsuit that she mentioned that she had been uh, abused uh, privately, you know, in that way um, by Jeffrey Epstein's friends, which included royalty. So the attorney claims that that would imply that the agreement would include Prince Andrew, although it doesn't name him. That said, David Boyes, um, and I think that the person who's really representing Virginia in court is his associate, a secret Macaulay. I, I, I've got, I don't have her name in front of me, but I know her first name is Sigrid. Um, Her position, their position is Prince Andrew was not named, but as you said, specifically, he was not named. But then we have to look back. Uh, at when he Jeffrey Epstein received that very notorious and now infamous non-prosecution agreement, which had the following words, and I don't think I have them exactly, but more or less it was that other people that were connected as co-conspirators, named or unnamed, would not be persecuted, right? That this was a complete waiver of persons named or unnamed. So this is sort of a, a throwback to that, right? So that you have Prince Andrew, who, who was not specifically named, but who was seeking an out pretty much because there's like a reference that if you knew Jeffrey Epstein, you can't really be sued. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm looking at this thing right now on the New York Post. Hang on. Let me, let me pull it up just for you. Um, yep. Can you... Can you see that? Have I, I can see it. Oh, yep. lovely. Okay, I haven't turned that bit off yet. That's good. Um, so yeah, so essentially, I'm looking at this this, and it's saying that this was also okayed by top DOJ officials, which is uh, yes. very very interesting. Um, but 
so, so essentially they're saying that I was trying to find that that um that that phrase that you had had mentioned there. So it's like all all co-conspirators. Um, oh, here it isn't. Under well, is this it? Under well-established principles of general contract law, and particularly under the law relating to non-prosecution agreements, any and all of Epstein's potential co-conspirators are third-party beneficiaries of the non-prosecution agreement. So basically, they're saying that anyone vaguely involved in that case can't be prosecuted now. That's what happened with the um, non-prosecution agreement that Jeffrey Epstein got, which, frankly, every attorney like so, I've 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 read and heard from hundreds of attorneys everywhere, including attorneys in Florida, because Alex Acosta gave it back to the local level to handle. Every attorney has basically said that's never happened before. This is a one in a million. This is a one off. And so we don't understand how they allowed something like this to go through. Well, it's easy to understand if we look at it in the context that he was an intelligence asset, as Alexander Acosta so famously said, I was told to back off that Epstein belonged to intelligence. And so if you look at it from that way, they're going to back off because we have, you know, maybe another country involved, maybe our CIA with Mossad, who knows, maybe MI5, MI6 are involved. Who knows? But this is clearly an intelligence operation. And no one believed that Epstein would surface again in and be rearrested in 2019. Uh, they believed, okay, slap on the wrist. This is case is going to go away. And this was way before the Me Too movement. So if you recall any story that one read at the time, uh, trashed the victims. That was the mentality of just make the victims uh, all be uh, thought of as liars. Now, these were children, liars, prostitutes, right? Drug addicts. These were children who were the victims and they turned it around and, and made the victims uh, the offenders, um, which is shocking. But after the Me Too movement and and more so today, after the Jeffrey Epstein case came to light, uh, there the the public because there's so many women who have been sexually uh, abused by someone in a position of power, or maybe you know when they were children, or even men when they were children, and we have the Catholic Church as a good example, right? Um, people are stepping forward by the droves. I mean, like you see social media, so the tide has turned where. For Prince Andrew to now try to victim shame Virginia has now had serious ramifications on he will never recover reputationally, no matter what happens, he will never recover from this. Mm. Yeah, I mean, his, his, his reputation has definitely been trashed um, well and truly. Forever. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. for, for, for good reason. I don't say that like it's a bad thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I was just when I was when I was sort of going through the things the about this case before we before we spoke. Um, something that really sprung up to me was the the juxtaposition between how the media and the the courts or like the legal system basically are treating like two people who are in Britain and 
being extradited to the United States for crimes that are considered to be quite egregious is Julian Assange and uh, Prince Andrew. So Assange has been just tortured and, um, yeah, falsely imprisoned. He was dragged out of the embassy in... I've seen many people describe it as a very illegal move for the police to go in and do that. And he's still not free. Like they've cleared him and he's still in prison. And yet Prince Andrew just seems to be kind of able to continue to get away with this with, with impunity. And I, I, I hope that what we see here is, is justice served to both of them. Like Assange well, being I released. Think that and, yeah. the, the important there are a couple of factors that one has to take into consideration. The Prince Andrew situation is on civil level. Mm. For one woman filing a lawsuit against a man, Prince or not, with Julian Assange, he's he's taken on the <laughs> literally the the uh, I want to call them something, but I'm going to refrain. I'm going to uh. he's taken on the. Uh, government, let's say, of the United States of America. And um, so that's considered, uh, he is considered to be a um, a traitor. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to voice my opinion on it. Hmm. So it's a different situation. It's not like the United States, as they're doing with, let's say, Glenn Maxwell, but only for four victims and only for a very limited amount of time. They're, they have brought a case against Glenn Maxwell. Whether or not that's a real case is yet to be seen. But there is no uh, federal case against Prince Andrew. So we can't really compare the two. Mm. Well, yeah, I guess that's a very fair point. I just yeah. I don't like the, the fact that there can be accusations made of one man and he's in prison. Because the, the reason he's he's he was put in Belmarsh was because of, un, well... I don't want to say unfounded, but the there was like sexual assault allegations that have now been withdrawn, basically, uh, and he's still in prison. Yeah. So here's the thing: any any if you if you I, I do a lot of uh, reading uh, whistleblowers, and and for me personally, they're the best um, source of information because a whistleblower is pretty much telling you what happens in the background, right? What happens in the dark corners mm. that you're not really getting, let's say from mainstream and you're that your government may not be telling you that's really what's really going on. And in, for my research regarding, let's say the Epstein network, I've done a lot of research into former CIA officials who became um, in whistleblowers. And one thing that they all say, and, and one thing that I've noticed is that then they are, um, there's a crime that they are supposed to have committed. And like in one case, somebody was put away because he was said to have been caught with a lot of drugs. In another case, this guy was said to have been committed another sexual crime. So that these whistleblowers are usually set up and they are charged with crimes that usually, in my opinion, I do not believe they commit it. And it's done because that's what powerful governments can do. You know, you're one person and the whole world doesn't really know that that's how it works. And that's why they get away with it. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess most people don't want to, don't want that to, they don't want the idea that what happens in, in say, like TV shows, like House of Cards or something like that. They don't, yeah. they don't want yeah. to, they don't want to think that that's too close to reality. Whereas when, where I've seen several senators say, yeah, that's, that's probably a little too close to reality for, for our liking um, about yeah. that, about the show. Um, but, so you you mentioned uh um, Maxwell there. So I just wanted to get like a yeah sort of go over roughly her case and where it's at at the minute. So she uh court the the court case I think begins next week. I think is that right? The court case begins on November the 29th. Okay. Uh the jury selection um becomes finalized on the 15th of November. So today is November the 2nd. Yesterday she appeared in court. Oh my God. It was so dramatic, Josh. So, (laughs) you know, she, they have been trying to claim that she is being mistreated in jail. (laughs) And frankly, she's got the whole second floor to herself. She has television. She has a private bathroom. She has two computers she was given the COVID shot before anybody else in in New York, practically. She, you know, has even they changed the air conditioner filter because they complained that when she was meeting her attorneys in the room that they couldn't breathe properly. I mean, so that what I see is that the court, that the jail, I'm sorry, the, the, the Bureau of Prisons has pretty much bent over backwards to please her because they changed the filters. Well, yesterday she shows up in court. They do have her in shackles, which is how you transport every prisoner. So, but she claimed that she had to. So if you look at today's mainstream media, there will be um, press reports of Glenn Maxwell having to crawl on her hands and knees to get into the van to go to court that she is just being treated terribly. Her brother, Ian Maxwell, has set up a Twitter account and a website, and he get any mainstream media gives Ian Maxwell, and they find this so offensive, airtime, whether it be television or just print or online, Ian Maxwell is given all the time that he wants to tell the whole world how his sister is being mistreated in jail. Whereas if you and I wanted to talk to mainstream and say no, because in fact, these are her real conditions, right? I mean, you know, and I could list all these things that are not available to a normal prisoner. Um, main, the public is hearing Ian Maxwell and these uh, proceedings that happen in court where Galen becomes the actress that she is, right? Because that's ultimately what a spy is. You, you put on a disguise, you're someone else. She she learned to do that. I wrote Glenn Maxwell, an unauthorized biography, and I show how her father, Robert Maxwell, who was known as Israel's super spy, taught her the tricks of the trade, also taught all of the offspring so that she goes in there and, you know, her attorney, Bobby Sternheim, complains, oh, she had to walk on her hands and knees. So they're setting the precedent, right, to ultimately, if something doesn't go according to maybe the way they envision, because you're still in a judicial system that is controlled by the same system that, in my opinion, 
hired Glenn Maxwell to do that job with Jeffrey Epstein, but they're, they're laying the groundwork and the foundation for pulling a, a, another card, you know, for Glenn to maybe get out. That said, it was interesting to hear in yesterday's hearing, it's a pre, you know, pre-trial hearing because they have filed motion after motion. Um, the court has never offered Glenn, I mean, the prosecution has never offered Glenn a, a um, you know, typically you get some kind of um, agreement, right? Nor has she requested one. Uh, which is really fascinating because every case, uh, whether it be brought against the federal government or whether it's a civil case, there's usually the very first thing is there's a, you know, they try to settle it. So over 90% of every case is settled after, you know, before the court date. But in this case, um, no settlement has been offered and she has not requested any any settlement because she keeps saying that she is um that she's innocent which is to me it's just shocking yeah i got this headline up here it's uh from from uh, the daily beast and yeah so the feds refused to offer a, a plea deal and then it says the british heiress appeared in court ahead of her sex trafficking trial and declared i have not committed any crime uh which i mean that's uh ballsy uh, shall we say? <laughs> um, so the- let me tell you about the Daily Beast. The Daily Beast is owned by ICM, which is owned by Barry Diller. And Barry Diller sat on Glenn Maxwell's Terramar project board. Um, the They're very close. And so you have to almost, you if you look at almost all of the media, even if they're saying something like that, which covers really what happened, you have to wonder, and also Chelsea Clinton sits on the board of this company. And so you have to wonder sometimes who you read. So I made a, a firm decision on, on my Twitter account. I don't let anyone uh, post anything by the Daily Beast because of the Barry Diller connection. And there's also Diane von Furstenberg's son, is in Jeffrey Epstein's black book, and von Furstenberg is married to Barry Diller, who is now openly gay, right? So basically, she was just a front, right? The beard, if you will. But her son from her previous marriage, who, by the way, is also a prince, von, Prince von, First, von Furstenberg. And I wonder in my mind if perhaps he is the prince that Virginia cannot remember. Um, he is in Jeffrey Epstein's black book so that this newspaper, I just don't allow anyone on my Twitter to to cite it or bring it up anymore. No, that's fair enough. I mean, I don't I don't uh, I refuse to visit. Yeah, because it's sun. like I'm just <laughs> it's almost like who doesn't have a connection to Glenn Maxwell, whose father was a publisher who had connections with all, you know, like all mainstream. Right. So. But but if you sit on the the Terramar board, which is a complete front, you 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 know what the deal is, right? And he has been photographed with young boys now that he's out of the closet, Barry Diller. And so it's like, well, who supplied these young boys to you? Because we know that, at least I know from my research that Epstein provided boys to certain men, teenagers. Brian, 
yeah, not just girls, boys as well. So it's like, so I think to myself, so I, I, you know, I pulled up some pictures of Diller and you probably can too right now with young boys. And it's like, okay, well, who, you know, who gave you those young, you know? So for me, it's like, I'm sorry, if it smells like it's been trafficking, I don't want anything to do with it. Mm. Yeah. I'm just looking up this Barry Diller stuff. It's yeah. I don't know. I'll tell I, you the, I need to, the, 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 yeah. yeah, the, the, the rabbit holes are endless here. Yeah. Yeah. I need to, I'd need to go further into this before I'd say how weird it is, but it doesn't, it's, yeah, it's a bit weird looking. Um, I'm never quite sure. Oh, so the, yeah. the other thing that Glenn wanted, she wanted one of the motions to the court that was denied, which is a good thing for us is she wanted the victims and the minors not to be referred as victims and minors. She wanted those words stricken to like, don't use them during the trial. They cannot be used. Judge Nathan turned around and denied that, which is, you know, I mean, look, you know, we're getting some, some, at least uh, some feeling that there's hope because it was denied. Um, You know, she had a couple of other things that were denied. Um, What's of interest, and I've spoken to a couple of attorneys, um, because, you know, I have an Epstein Project newsletter and I send people information that is not necessarily in mainstream media. So her trial is scheduled to begin November 29th. It's scheduled to end approximately in January 6th. So like, you know, the, the... the first week in January at the end of the week, which means there's a Christmas recess, right? So during the Christmas recess, they send the jury home. What the attorneys are telling me, if they had been in Judge Nathan's position, they would have definitely started the trial after Christmas, right? So after the new year, Um, because during this recess, when the jury goes home, the news is going to be blasted with information about the trial, right? And and then the jury pool will be considered tainted. So that is grounds for a mistrial. And it's interesting, are we being set up for a mistrial? I mean, that's co- sort of like the question that I'm asking, having spoken to a couple of attorneys. Mm, that would be boring. A very smart right? way for them I mean, to get off. Think about it. I mean, if you go home and it's Christmas, don't you think that your your so your family is there? The television is on, right? Something is on. Don't you think someone and they know you're a juror and in this the most the most publicized um, trial of the I would think the century, but at least of the decade that they're going to hear something and then they go back to court and something will happen and not one attorney has said otherwise to me. Mm. But don't you find it odd that that could happen? Yeah, I do. Um, I mean, it's not the first time that there's been, yeah, in the last couple of years, problems with juries and sensitive cases. Um, and yeah, it, it it feels like perhaps it's being set up to fail. I mean, I wouldn't want to make that accusation, but like that's the little bit what it looks like. Um, I know, a little bit it looks like that to me on a lot of different levels. It's almost like if this card doesn't work, we have this one. I mean, it's, they're setting, because think about it, if Glenn Maxwell, who has now been in jail since July 
2nd of 2020. That's a very long time already. So it's already the second. So how many months is that? So that's yeah. a year and almost so that's, months. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and she claims that she's innocent and she hasn't, she has, there's no plea deal offered and there's no plea deal requested. And she says she's being treated horribly. If I were in her position, I would want to get out of jail if I'm innocent the fastest possible way. I mean, yes, she requested bail five times. She was denied five times. Well, then you either, most people historically strike a plea deal and or they want this trial to happen sooner rather than later. So this was initially scheduled, if you recall, to commence in July. They didn't want to commence in July for one reason or the other. They said they were not ready. It got rescheduled to now. But there are all these. Doesn't she want to get out of jail? I mean, if she's innocent, I, I think she's not, by the way. But <laughs> if she feels that she could prove her innocence, I would think. But it looks to me like they're just creating uh, pathways for a way out. And Glenn Maxwell, um, for her to go along with this strikes me as very unusual and odd for her mm, yeah yeah i mean i guess we'll see what happens um ultimately it's uh yeah i'll be watching with bated breath <laughs> yeah i think the whole world will but anyway but I, I don't, yeah I, I, one last thought before we wrap up if you don't mind yeah um, of course i, I still suspect that, you know, something will happen. You know, there's a lot of sensitive information connected to this trial. Um, there, again, there's only four victims that they're talking about and only for a small amount of time. What's interesting and of note is that the judge has also denied that they bring up Jeffrey Epstein's non-prosecution agreement. So one of Glenn's tactics was going to be the same thing. They were going to claim which they have been claiming from the time that they first appeared in court in July of 2020 is that she is exempt from this lawsuit because she is protected under Jeff Jeffrey Epstein's non-prosecution agreement so they basically told her yesterday and her attorney well you can't bring that up during trial so um i still believe somehow that this might be a closed door trial or that we're not really going to get real information. There's something, it's just, there's, there's, there are a lot of odd things happening that just don't feel like a normal case. And I just wanted to add that before, because I know this, we're, we're talking, we could talk forever, it seems like. Yeah. But um, I just wanted to add that before we kind of finalize this. Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem. Um, I was just looking at that. Um, yeah, you're what you said there about the the judge having denied a number of things, um, and they've also said yeah that everyone can stay anonymous, which is uh, yeah always nice yeah. that the yeah the the accusers. So that's that's good news as well. So um, hopefully we see some justice. That would be the dream in both of these cases, both Gisela Maxwell and uh, Prince Andrew. So fingers crossed. Thanks. Yes, fingers crossed. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me again, Josh. It's always great to chat with you. Yeah, not a problem. Um, was uh, was uh, again enlightening and um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, well, whilst uh, yeah, quite dark. 
Um, it's uh, yeah, difficult things to talk yeah, about. Yeah, no, but. I agree. It, it is dark and it's difficult. But look, you know, you're doing a great service by bringing this to the attention of the public, and and there's there's more than a handful of us on the front line now. So uh, you know, there is an alternative to mainstream media, and that's people like us. So thank you for doing what you're doing. <sighs> yeah, no problem. It's uh, yeah. I guess we would do what we can. Um, and yeah. just like the, the, the reason that it's such an important case is because of the powerful people that they knew and that were seemingly aware of what was going on. Um, and that it's, it's a big step for, for someone in that, from that position of power to, to face some sort of consequence. So that's, that's why I, I, I want to cover it basically. Uh, cause I think it shouldn't be ignored given, yeah, the, the, the scale of the accusations being made. So yeah, but uh, Kirby, it's been it's been great um, once again, and so yeah, thanks thanks for your time. Oh well, it was a pleasure. Um, happy holidays if we don't get to talk for another three months, but let's try to stay in touch during the trial and and catch up so that you know we can bring the news, the real news, and yeah. not just what mainstream uh, wants to tell you. Yeah, I'd love if you, uh, at some point, if you wanted to do like a, a piece for, for my website, just to like, yeah, a written piece. Uh, oh, cool. sure. I'd be happy. I didn't even know you had a, a, a website where you could have written pieces. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, we take I take like submissions. Oh, from, well, from fill like. me in on that uh, after the show. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, everyone also, I'll put links for all the stuff we've discussed and uh, for all of Kirby's books and their Twitter profile in the description below. So check that out. Um, so yeah, everyone, thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in and making it all the way to the end of the show. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.